Welcome to the Mompreneur Guide Podcast. I'm your host, Megan Moran. Just like you, I'm a mom entrepreneur on a mission to live a present and productive life, to be around for all the moments with my kids while also following my dreams and passions. Join me each week as I uncover a new tip or trick that will help you live your life just as you want and with as much ease as possible. Let's get started with today's episode. All right. Hello, my amazing mompreneurs. Welcome back to the Mompreneur Guide podcast. I'm so excited to have my new friend, Ashley, here. We have gotten to meet up once already. We yeah. have found out we are twins. Yes. You're the West Side version of me. I'm the East Side version yeah, of you. Yeah, insane. Our kids are like the same age. Yeah. <laughs> you are. But we, we differ here where you are just a digital maven. Yeah. You know what you're doing. This is your second business, which we do relate in. Mm-hmm. That <laughs> this is our second slash third go around. You have a studio on the other side of town as well. Yeah. And I'm just so grateful to have you here to talk mom life, talk business life, talk Cleveland life. It's so exciting. Yeah. Thank you for having me. I know it's crazy. When you reached out, I was like, wait, are we living parallel lives? <laughs> and you're the east side and I'm the west side person. Like we need to bring our worlds together. <laughs> I know. It's been magic so far. Like yeah. you've been such a great connector, which I appreciate. Yeah. I love being a connector as well. And I'm hoping to send even more people Yay. your way. And um, yeah, so I thought we could start off because like I said, I think not everybody in the mompreneur space has been at this game for as long as us yeah. and has iterated and even sold. And mm-hmm. um, I'd love to hear about your first business of and course. that iteration from starting it to selling it to mom life to where you're at now. Yeah. It's just such a beautiful roller coaster. It's like I've lived lifetimes mm-hmm. in my short 36 years on this <laughs> earth. So, um, of course, yeah. So, what's crazy is. My first business is one I never talked about, and it was an organic tote bag business. No, I did not know this. Okay. Yeah. It was like such a short stint, but I think it's important to talk about. So like I launched it. It was a physical product. I sourced everything from China to be like organic Mm -hmm. and whatever, did all of those relations, like built the business. It was beautiful. There were like quotes on these beautiful bags and I was selling them at markets and you know like I had this I romanticized this business a little bit but it did not produce revenue yeah I think I sold maybe like 50 bags and I bought thousands of them so that was god I think like 10 or 12 years ago so it was before like being organic was a thing which Mm -hmm. I say that I'm sure there are people who care (laughs) but you know what I mean like before like people really cared about eco-conscious, at Mm -hmm. least when I was living in Columbus, Ohio. Mm -hmm. And so I think I was trying to educate while I was selling and that was just really hard. So that was my first business that I I learned like, hey, you launched this and you had to sunset it in like Mm -hmm. a very short runway. Mm -hmm. I was like, okay, this was a failure. Like, do I launch another thing? That's really hard. Like when you fail at something to like get back up again and Mm -hmm. say, you know what, maybe I should try something else. Or I learned how to do X, Y, and Z from this business or whatever. Um, and so after that, then I launched Harness Magazine, mm-hmm. which you know about. Mm-hmm. And I was an attorney at the time, not a mom. Mm-hmm. And I was in a relationship with my now husband. <laughs> um, and I started it as a side hustle, which everyone knows, like, I don't know. Once you start a side hustle, like, and start putting, like, your life and blood and sweat and tears into that, like, you want it to be not just your side mm-hmm. hustle anymore. Once you start, you can never go back, right? No. Yeah. No. Yeah. Um, and so I literally launched it on social media first, mm-hmm. like doing a shout out saying like, hey, I'm launching a digital and print magazine. I want to share the authentic stories of women from around the world. I think there's a gap 
in the market right now. At the time, it was really like cosmopolitan and Vogue mm. and, you know, just like more like fashion centric, a little bit superficial publications. Um, mm -hmm. There wasn't really anything authentic out there yet. Mm -hmm. And so with that premise, I launched and like never really looked back. Yeah. Um, and we ended up having like 6,000 female writers from around the world. We published thousands of stories mm -hmm. and I did six print runs, which wow. was insane. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So it was like very, I was very ambitious about it. Mm -hmm. And I also was an attorney at the time. Talk to us about the difference in business model, because your first business being the tote bags mm -hmm. was all about, you know, products. And that's a very traditional and older model. Um, so when you moved into Harness, like what were you thinking? Why a digital magazine slash print magazine besides, you know, the story behind it? Yeah, honestly, when I launched it, I did not launch with a business plan, uh, <laughs> which is like common. I know You're for right, most yeah. <laughs> people, but uh I knew that I would be able to monetize it on the advertorial side. Mm -hmm. So we would have business owners come to us and want to run a story about them. And it would be an advertorial because mm -hmm. the the um, guidelines for the magazine was like non-self-promotional. So mm -hmm. I didn't allow people to publish things that were just like, follow me here. And like, I'm mm -hmm. selling you this. It had to be like a story about your life or like mm -hmm. something you're going through. So we were very strict. Um and so we got revenue that way. We got re revenue from like just having ads on the site. Um, and then the print issues themselves we sold. Yeah, the actual physical copies. Mm -hmm. uh -huh. Yeah. What did you like about this business versus the totes? Because you said you were super passionate about the totes, but yeah. they just didn't make you revenue. I think so. I've always been a writer. And so I wrote for the magazine, too. And so I understood the power of storytelling. Mm -hmm. And um, there was so much joy in being able to share stories from other women. And I'll just give you like a few examples because I miss it. I still I still talk to the owner, the now owner today. Mm -hmm. Um, and people would share things they have never shared with anyone in their whole lives mm -hmm. first. And I would get to open that email and yeah. read that story. Or like we then ended up doing iterations of the website where you could submit online. And like, so I would be the first person reading about like miscarriage in someone's mm -hmm. life or like fertility issues, or we had somebody submit about like being raped and nobody in her family knew or so there were heavy things. Right. But then there mm -hmm. were also like really joyous things like launching their own business and like hitting their first revenue milestone mm -hmm. and you know what I mean? Like finding friends in mom life that are like similar to you and like your circle was so small before. So mm -hmm. it was like these crazy, this like color spectrum of stories that I was like, oh my God, I'm the first person to read this, <laughs> you know? That's gotta be so exciting, especially as a storyteller yourself. Like yeah. I'm sure you just ate that up and it, did it fuel you and inspire you to want to create or push your boundaries as a writer? Yeah, so I wrote more when I had Harness um, than I do now. Mm -hmm. um, and then people started to follow my story, which was really nice. So I think it kept me grounded. So like because the magazine was focused on authenticity, like everything that I wrote had to be authentic. So then is that what fueled you? Like tell us about that transition because you moved into another version of storytelling, mm -hmm. right? So talk to us about that transition of deciding to sell first off and then yeah. and starting Quimby. Yeah, so while I was an attorney, I was managing a very large like 
portfolio of real estate. And mm-hmm. so like that job was also time consuming. And in some ways it wasn't feeding me. It was sucking the life out of me. So then it's it's harder, right? When you're mm-hmm. in something that's not giving you life. Um, and the magazine was growing so much that they both became full-time jobs. So I was working around the clock and it like wasn't sustainable. So I got to a point where I was suffering with clinical depression and I didn't know. Like that's how much of a high achiever compartmentalization I was doing. I was like tidying these things and putting them in boxes like on shelves in my mind until it got to a point where like my brain just snapped. Like that's the best way I can explain it. And it was like, I woke up one day, I was not okay. I hadn't been eating, I didn't notice, you know what I mean? And I was like really depressed and I had to go into the hospital. So I was like in the hospital for three days, I wanna say. Um, So it was like a total breakdown. And it was because of stress, really. Mm -hmm. Um, And I guess it's not uncommon for women and especially people who are like really ambitious to just like, I'll tuck this away and like brush it under the rug and deal with it later. Um, And then your body's like, you will not deal with this later. You will deal with this now, you know? (laughs) The time has come. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I think that's a friend, two friends of mine were um, talking today about being overachiever, high achievers and Mm -hmm. how it's like we just have such this draw to to make that achievement that sometimes we'll even make things harder for ourselves mm-hmm. just so that we have that like hit of, oh, we accomplished this, we did this. And I think it's interesting to hear, and I'm so grateful for you being open to talk about the hard things that yeah. have happened in business life too, from the tote bags and pausing and mm-hmm. feeling like, ooh, this, is, this was a yeah. failure. Was this a failure? I, yeah. I always like to, you know, do a spin on that, but... Yeah. Between that and then hitting that wall of burnout and more and recognizing the stress and that you couldn't do it all, right? None of us can do it all. I'm curious, how has that shaped you going through those hard things and now having the awareness? Because that's the key, right? Yeah. Recognizing it. How has it shaped you now in your business and mom life? Yeah, I think like it was a pivotal moment for me. I think when you hit rock bottom, Mm -hmm. you you can only go up from there, but like you choose how to rebuild yourself. And so for me, it was like, I had to, the most simplest of tasks like were hard for me. So I, it almost is like learning to walk again. So when I went through the journey of healing myself, it was like a lot of like thought control and like, um, coaxing myself to get out of the house, like things that you take for granted. So in that journey, I realized like I can never come back to this spot. So like, how do I want my life to be now? And then that shaped the business, right? Mm -hmm. So like a good example is Quimby, which is the digital marketing agency I run now. We do mental health check-ins with all of our employees and our contractors on a like a monthly basis. So the check-in isn't like, hey, have you gotten all these tasks done? It's like, how are you doing? What's going on in your life? How is your workload? How are you feeling? Like what's, what can, how can we like ease things? And with those mental health check-ins, we've gotten to a point now where people are candid because they know they're coming up. And we have people who are like actually experienced loss two weeks ago. And like, we wouldn't have known that. And like, so we can shift workloads and optimize for like their life. Like I want Mm -hmm. their life and their work to be integrated. Like they're not separate. So we like accommodate what's going on and what's coming up. And like some people have mental health issues. And so maybe they don't feel like getting out of bed today. And I'm like, Mm -hmm. okay, like so-and-so's not answering emails today. Like they're taking a break or Mm -hmm. whatever that looks like. 
I just want to pause and reflect to you on how amazing that is and to see that through line of the authenticity. Like Mm -hmm. you said, that was the heart of Harness and the magazine was these stories have to be real or they're not being published. Mm -hmm. And I feel like you've still done that same thing in your business now, just obviously in a different channel. And I'm sure authenticity comes up in everything that you're doing with marketing as well. But the fact that you're like, okay, how are we really doing? I don't really care. Obviously you care about getting the check marks done, but that's not the point. Yeah. It's how is the person, how Mm -hmm. are they doing and how are you making an impact? Because in every iteration of that story, you've gotten to pull out the realness from somebody. Yeah. I think that's so fascinating and clearly a gift that you have. Oh, and thank you. It's so cool that you lean into that. And I feel like that's a good um, reminder for everybody listening of even if you don't have a whole team around you yet, mm-hmm. maybe you do. You've got spouses or maybe you've got partners or you've got an accountability biz bestie. Yeah. Take time to put those mental health check-ins in because it, if it's not on the calendar, it won't happen, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. And I feel like we lose sight of that when we're working and we're like pushing for goals. We lose sight of like the human beings behind those goals. Mm -hmm. And so even I'm guilty of that. Like I'll push the team and then I'll pause and I'm like, have I um, like thanked everybody for their time this week? Mm -hmm. And like they worked long hours or I decided, you know, like as you're a a business owner, you're a visionary. Like I decided to create an entirely new product offering this week (laughs) and everybody rallied around it and made it happen like and that probably was difficult for some people like have I thanked them for their time Mm -hmm. so like sometimes I have to be like I need like you know words of affirmation are important I think oh my gosh yeah and I love what you said too of how do I want my life to be Mm -hmm. now you realized you couldn't go back to where you were Mm -hmm. and so you kind of had to start anew Mm -hmm. and pick the pieces that you liked and what was going to serve you now and I think that's also so beautiful. I think as mompreneurs, we're, that's the goal of why we do this, right? Is like, how do we want our lives to be? We want a little bit of both. And sometimes we want to flex more of one thing and the other. Yeah. And so after you hit rock bottom and you realize, I can't sustain this, I can't continue to do all the work that I do as a lawyer and run this magazine and it's too much, talk to us about that transition of, what you, what that internal conversation was of what you did want your life to be. Yeah. So the magazine, so I got pregnant, Mm -hmm. which is always a catalyst for change. Yes. Um, (laughs) and so I was pregnant and I was coming back from maternity leave, I believe. Wow. And I was like, no, (laughs) I'm not doing this. (laughs) So I came back. I think I put my two weeks notice in after like a month. Um, And so then I just had harness and I was like, what am I going to do? And I realized like I wanted to, I was in Columbus, Ohio at the time. I wanted to move back to Cleveland. Like I was born and bred in Cleveland. My family's here. Like it takes a village to raise a child. And Mm -hmm. I knew that. And so I had to start networking again. Like all my connections were in Columbus. It wasn't. So I, I relied on like family here and I was fortunate enough that like my aunt was a marketing director at the time at a local law firm oh wow yeah and she was doing consulting work for them so she was like 1099 Mm -hmm. doing all their marketing and she like brought me under her wing um and that was like my first client right so I got that that big break through Mm -hmm. like family um and so then I was doing marketing consulting and also running harness and so then it was like two jobs again (laughs) And so I knew it got into a point with Harness where like I felt it that it had plateaued and I just knew it was time. 
Like yeah. I couldn't take it to like the next phase of growth. I didn't have it in me anymore. Mm-hmm. Running media is a sprint. Yeah. And so it was so hard, but I, I knew I'm like, I don't want to let it go. I know I have to sell it. I know it has to live on. I just have to find the right person. And I, I was fortunate enough that like I put it up for sale. A younger woman, like 10 years younger than me, came in and she had all these great ideas for it. She like optimized it on the SEO side. She's translated it into Spanish so it could be like bilingual now and impact more women. Um, And she's like taken it. I think she's like 4X the amount of viewers it has. Yeah. So it's like, and that's her full time thing now. Yeah. So we talk periodically like when things come up, you know, like Mm -hmm. how have you handled this in the past or whatever, which is so nice. So like I'm still like a little bit tiny (laughs) involved. Um, But yeah, so I just knew it was, I don't know. It was a feeling. Mm Mm-hmm. I think that's interesting that you noticed your pattern too of like you kept ending up having two full-time Thanks. businesses. Yeah, yeah. And that it was too much. But I think you had that awareness the second time around, it seems that you were able to pivot more quickly before it turned into another rock yeah. bottom. Is that what yeah. you felt? Yeah, 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 yeah. I didn't want to be spread so thin, especially like being pregnant too. I just wanted to be hyper conscious of like what I was doing to my body in terms of stress. Mm-hmm. 100%. I love how you said like you knew it was time because I had that same exact feeling as well yeah. when I was pregnant with Sophia, our second and final. And it was just that knowing of like, you're meant to do more, you're meant to do something yeah. different. Like this has seen its time and it's time to, to move on to something else. And it's, I think it's an interesting feeling that like when you've been through it, you can, yeah. we can all kind of like you just yeah. yeah. Like I feel like, and I don't know if you felt this way too, but it almost felt like everything I tried to do, I was hitting a wall. Whereas mm-hmm. before, like I could make doors open and this time it was like doors were locked, mm-hmm. but I, it was totally a mental thing. And I just knew I'm like, if I feel this heaviness and like, I can't move the business in like different ways. I just, I just knew, mm-hmm. I don't know. I felt like my passion was out. Yeah. It was almost like I had senioritis, like, okay. You know, it's a, it's kind of old hat, and I just felt like yeah, it that that type of feeling of okay, I'm kind of done. Yeah, you know, like it's draining me. Yeah, yeah, it's not lighting me up, and that's something. Yeah. So the iteration into this business, that was where I started. I didn't know what I was gonna do, yeah. but as you know, I'm a third generation mompreneur. Yeah, this has been my whole life. I mm-hmm. started the business so that I had it. My goal was to have it as a well-oiled machine by the time my kids are here, which, <laughs> yeah. yeah, I always laugh at. Yeah. Um, and so that's where I was stuck at that crossroads of like, huh, I said I want to do this thing yeah, and and be this type of mom around for my kids, but doing what lights me up. And now I have no idea what I want to do. And so yeah. going through what lights me up, what doesn't was the first iteration of coaching of the business that really just helped myself get through it, you know? I know, because if you're going to be stuck doing something every single day, it better light up like one part of you, right? Mm-hmm. So then with Quimby, mm-hmm. you moved into that. Mm-hmm. You already had your first child. Mm-hmm. So I'm assuming you did things differently or thought of things differently than your first two businesses because you had another little business yeah. in a way. <laughs> I, um, another person to take care of. So once I closed Harness, I started thinking about like what I was good at. Mm-hmm. And I was like, what is like the underlining like theme or underlying theme? And um, it was always community and everything that I did. And so social media also kept coming up because people kept asking me for advice. So like Harness's social grew to like 
25,000 followers at a time when social, it wasn't a thing to be an influencer. Mm -hmm. It was very organic. So I just kept giving people advice. I'm like, oh my God, everyone keeps asking me for advice on this, you know? Mm -hmm. And um, it just was like, it came naturally to me. So I was like, I think this is like, what I should do Mm -hmm. because at the time community was so easy to grow on social and a lot more authentic in some ways it's become like a beast now but there's still a way to build it in a very authentic way and so I ran with it and I was like everyone keeps asking me that's a sign from the universe Mm -hmm. I'm good at building community and really from there I took on my first client and one client turned to 12 clients and it kind of like just grew. Mm-hmm. I think that that's so such an important part of a story, right? Is when yeah. you hear about that thing that everybody keeps coming to you for, yeah. right? And I think it's so cool, first off, that of course we're both obsessed with creating community. <laughs> yeah, yeah, Again, we're twins. Yeah, yeah. And, and I love that they came to you for that and it was just natural, like yeah. to go back to what's draining you versus lighting you up. So talk to us a little bit about your clients now. So for everybody listening who might want help in marketing, Yay. they can, you know, find yeah. out if you're the right one. So our clients now are in the startup space. Um, we have evolved. So we're like four years in business now. We've evolved to helping brands that have like a product market fit. They're probably making like a million in annual revenue. They cannot do all the things anymore. They're burnt out probably as founders trying to wear all of the hats. We might be their first agency hire or mm-hmm. first marketing hire. And so we do like full execution. So like we are plugged into organizations and I come in and I'm like, this is the strategy. Mm -hmm. This is the content. This is how we're going to execute. Like this is the paid advertising we're going to do. And like this is how we're going to scale it. And they're like, thank God. You know, like (laughs) please take it off my hands. Yeah, exactly. Mm -hmm. Um, And I love working in the startup space. I love it. It's fast paced. Um, I get to meet with the founders, which I really enjoy or like Mm -hmm. their right hand person. Um, and we can like move the needle better. Mm-hmm. So our biggest success story to date is a period tracker app, oh, cool. female founded. Mm-hmm. A lot of period tracker apps are actually built by men. Um, Seriously? Yeah. I did not know that. Yeah. Most of them are like 90% of them. So <laughs> yeah, which is so interesting. So they were like, well, probably a woman should build out. So it's, it's beautiful. Mm-hmm. So Stardust incorporates, um, your like horoscope with your cycle so like basically it tracks your cycle to the moon phases which is actually historically what used to be done Uh um and so it's like it has like this spiritual witchy kind of vibe and it's just it's so like you can tell it's built by women yeah i love Um, it and so we came on with them right when they had done their seed round race okay um and we ran their socials for them and we still do design work for them today actually Mm -hmm. so we coached the founder up to be the face of the brand. So founder-led brands do way better okay. on social mm-hmm. than anyone else. Yeah. Fun fact. So she finally is like, okay, Ash, I'll I'll create a video. Roe v. Wade's getting overturned. Mm-hmm. It's time to like put my face out there. We want to prioritize privacy. So I'll make a video. So she we're like, okay, this is great. So like here's what we think, you know, you should do, blah, blah, blah. Mm-hmm. Makes a video, goes viral. They get 60,000 app downloads off of the video. It changes the trajectory of their business. Uh And that was all from organic social and community. And like, and what's great about them is like, we brought on a team to manage like um, the email 
mm-hmm. inquiries for them because community has deep buy-in with the app. Like they look at every single thing and they're like, oh, this user wants to be able to track X, Y, and Z. Like, can we build out a feature for that? Like this person wants to have a partner app. So their partner knows like when they're period mm-hmm. or like when they're ovulating or whatever, right. they just release that. Like this user is pregnant. They want a pregnancy version. So they've mm-hmm. done these like iterations mm-hmm. and they listen to all their users. So we're like, we're always championing for them. I'm yeah. like, oh my God. Um, but that was our biggest success story. So like coaching a founder to like be, be the face of their brand mm-hmm. on social and like what to say and like what types of content to put out, like ended up skyrocketing their business. That's amazing. And I love how you had said like social and what you guys do helps move the needle forward in the business. Because I think that's not always the conversation that we hear on social is depending on which side you're looking at. It's like, oh, social's dead or, oh, Mm -hmm. I can't get views or there's a very sometimes negative negative, bias, which I'm the same as you. I disagree. I think there's an opportunity to build community, to actually talk to people. Like when people come into my world, you know, I Mm -hmm. send send an audio message. Like I want to talk to you. You're a real person entering my space in the online world. And so I'm curious, you said founder-led brands do better. What other things have you seen with your clients or do you always make sure you're doing with your clients to move that needle forward in the social space? I think like bringing them back to the mission and ethos of their company. Okay. So like founder led brands do better because it's a human being. It's yeah. not just a company. So like mm-hmm. people relate to humans. They don't relate. They relate to the brand, but not really. Like what's going on behind the scenes? Like what is your mission? Why is that your mission? What's the story behind your mission? Like why are you doing this product offering now? Like why did you bring on this team member? Like mm-hmm. do you know what I mean? All of those things just do better because of the human element so like touching on those things that make us all human beings Mm -hmm. and like who we are today the struggles the passions the whatever like that all culminated first before your brand ever came into existence just Mm -hmm. does better yeah I think it's so interesting the way that you ended up just saying why 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 like it's a good reminder for us every time you put out content to think about why you're doing something Mm -hmm as that's what people want to know about. And then, of course, it reminds me of kids, right? Yeah. Like, just be like our kids. Why? Why? Yeah. Well, why? <laughs> I know. And, like, they find joy in the simplest of things. Mm-hmm. And, like, that's what content can be. Right. You know? It's funny when you say simplest of things. Like, I've heard this stat of the easiest, quickest thing that it takes you to do on social is actually what does the best. Yeah. And one of our reels that has done the best recently, mm-hmm. you know, since the algorithm has changed, uh, it, w- it took me two seconds to record and it was like, I'm sitting here and Colin's sitting over there in the studio and I just panned from me to him and talked about like having a batching buddy. Yeah. And it's again, the simplest things I've been trying to use chat GPT so that I don't have to mentally think so much yeah. about my captions and can let that be my starting point. Yeah. And I think sometimes I just over I think it. Yeah. It's, it's not simple. And yeah. I, I notice I get overwhelmed when things are not simple. Yeah. Do you feel same yeah for sure I feel like um for me at least in terms of content like I have to be inspired to create so like the team can't get me on a schedule (laughs) which it makes me relate to our founders though like you have to be inspired to create because you have a thousand things going on but Mm -hmm. there's like I could like be sitting here shooting b-roll of like Mm -hmm. my coffee cup and then I could like 
put text over it and that could get like a million views. Right? <laughs> you know what I mean? Yeah. So do you encourage people then to just do that? Create in an inspired and happy way and from that energy more than worrying about the perfection of it. Like yeah. if the message and the writing back to your storytelling, if that is coming through, that's all that really matters, right? Yeah. So we curate feeds in a way where like it still looks beautiful, whether it's Instagram, LinkedIn, whatever. Mm -hmm. But I think like when you feel inspired to create video content because it's so real and raw, like just create it and then save it. Like mm -hmm. we can splice things a thousand different ways and so can you. Mm -hmm. So like go back and look at a video, mm -hmm. cut it a different way, have a different message. Yeah. Yeah. yeah, I've been using a lot, and I wonder if you guys do this too, a lot of the same videos, yeah, but spliced together with other different things. And it's like, why not just keep, I love to repurpose. Why not keep using what I've already done? Well, and I think people are under the impression that like if somebody follows you, they see every piece mm -hmm. of content you put out when like really it's like 30% of your audience. So yeah. chances are they didn't see it. <laughs> yeah. um, so they might be seeing it for the first time. Yeah. So tell us about the future because yeah. the, you have Quimby, you've got two kids. Yeah. You've got another studio, which we haven't even touched on yet oh, yeah. either. <laughs> Tell us about the future of, of like what you're seeing and what you're thinking in terms of how you want to continue to create this life. Yeah, I have a studio. Mm -hmm. It is on the west side, Plum Hill Creative. Mm -hmm. We've been in business like a little over a year. It's beautiful. Mm -hmm. It won an architecture and design award. Like the community comes there, creates content, hosts events. Mm -hmm. um, but it is truly another business. Yeah. And when I launched it at the time, I was like, we create so much content. This is like a great, you know, service offering mm -hmm. under Quimby. But it has grown into something that in true fashion has grown into something that is totally separate. And I know now that like I can't keep I doing you this. Have a pattern. Like it's I just know. such a clear pattern that you keep having. I know. Which is also such a great testament to what a great business person you are because you keep building things that become their own things. Yeah. But so I'm like, I have to let this go. So uh -huh. the studio will sunset at the end of September. Um, and I will just be focusing on Quimby. Mm -hmm. um, and so the future is really the sky's the limit. So mm -hmm. I'm building the agency now. Like, So I want to build like a great culture at Quimby. Mm -hmm. And we want to start taking on more female-led brands. And we have a good niche in the climate space. So I have a feeling that we're going to be like very mission driven mm -hmm. going forward um and then i'm just focusing on scaling so a lot of what i've been doing lately is like shifting my mindset so like once you get to a certain point and i'm sure you've experienced this too mm -hmm. like in business it's almost like you have to work so hard on your mindset and like coaching of the team and it just becomes like a different level of work mm -hmm. like i have to work on myself to make the business better mm -hmm. um and so that's kind of what i've been focusing on yeah i feel that same way as well like the past two three years has just been all mindset work yeah like you know you know the strategy once you've done it enough you like you know the strategy mm -hmm. you can learn new things but if anything i'm learning that i have my highest authority and like yeah. i've got the blueprint inside me so i need to hear less of too much strategy and more of working on things myself. Yeah. In terms of mindset, like what are some things that you do? Are you a meditator? Uh, are you doing, you know, self-help books? Are you working with somebody? Like talk to us about that. Yeah. So I recently took um, like this MBA course. It's mm -hmm. called Manifestation Babe Academy. So if cool. you follow her, her name's Manifestation Babe. Okay. Um, she went from like 
zero dollars to like a $10 million a year business mm -hmm. on manifestation alone. Mm -hmm. But the whole course, it was like 20 weeks, I want to say. It was a few wow. months long. Um, but it just went through like the basics of mindset and like believing anything is possible. And then like, what sort of internal programming do you have? And like, mm -hmm. what internal programming? How does that affect your business? And just like belief systems, right? Yeah. Yeah. And it comes into play so much in business in ways that people are like, God, that's so woo. But if you think about it, it isn't. So like mm -hmm. when I think about pricing and what I'm pitching, if I don't believe that what I offer is a $10,000 a month service, then mm -hmm. I'm never going to get a client that's going to pay $10,000 a month. Exactly. Right? Yeah. A thousand percent. So yeah. it's like coaching. It's like believing in the impossible. So like mm -hmm. you can your business there. Mm -hmm. Has your team noticed a difference too? Yeah, I feel like um, my ops person who's very close with me and mm -hmm. then our head of creative has noticed mm -hmm. like just this pattern of growth, I would say. That's and awesome. mindset. Yeah. It'll be interesting to see how that in this focus yeah. in this new direction maybe doesn't create another business. <laughs> oh God. Yeah. You know, keeps, keeps it here. I'm yeah. just so excited for you. And I'm just Thank so you. grateful that you've come on everything for everything you've shared will be linked below. So everybody can take Yay. a look. And is there anything that you want to leave the listeners with a call to action for them on how they can support you or something for them to think about and do it when they're done listening? Well, since it's a mompreneur podcast, yeah. I will say that managing littles and being an entrepreneur is very hard. Mm -hmm. And so find other moms who are running businesses. I talk to some daily and it helps like to know that you are not alone and like your kid ran in on your Zoom meeting and like <laughs> threw coffee on you. Like that's probably happened to all of us. So like, you know, like enjoy so those moments because they won't always be here. And like, mm -hmm. we're all going through them. So find your people, find your tribe. I love it. Last, well, no, it was Monday. I don't even know what the day of the week is anymore. Yeah. Uh, two of my other friends who are moms yeah. with kids the same age as our kids. Yeah all came over and it felt like that first time of the real village. The kids all played together, like we made food. And so we're talking about doing some type of rotation where I love that. they could come down, one mom at a time can come down to the studio, get two hours worth of work done, go back and, yeah. and make sure all the six kids are taken care of. And yeah, it, it that power of community and just knowing you're not alone makes such a difference. That's how it used to be, you know, right? you think about it. A thousand percent. I think so, about it all the time. Yeah, I love it. Find your village. Yeah. Well, we'll continue to create Yay. ours together. <laughs> Thank you, Ashley. Thanks for having me. Thanks so much for listening to today's episode. You have no idea how much your listenership means to me. If you love what you heard, would you mind leaving us a review? It'll help get these episodes into more mompreneurs earbuds and into our community. Ready to get your next season or project done? Then you need to check out the studio. It offers a creative, collaborative, and Instagrammable space for mompreneurs to batch their podcast and beyond. Head to mompreneurco.com slash studio to learn how to cut your marketing time from three months to one day so you can spread your message and mission on autopilot while enjoying the work and people you love most. See you next time.